0: Thank you for taking time from your busy schedules to listen to Life vs. Work here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Here on Life vs. Work, we examine the parts of the job world that affect our lives and sometimes the other way around as well. Sometimes people do forget that even at work, your personal health and wellness is truly important. Dr. James Haran, Ph.D., joins LocalJobNetwork.com radio once again from New York. Dr. Horan is also a managing director at HVS Executive Search in North America, so he has a couple different perspectives in this particular area. The topic we're touching on today, bullying in the workplace, a subject that maybe isn't on the forefront of anyone's mind, but probably should be in some regard. Dr. Haran, thank you once again for coming on with us today.
1: Hi, Tim. Good to have this time with you.
0: Ah, we appreciate it as well. For those that maybe didn't get, a, don't get a chance, or didn't get a chance to listen to you um, on our previous show, again, if you could just describe your organization, what you do there, and just kind of your your past experiences you've had in the in the world of employment as well as your uh, psychology background.
1: Exactly, um, I'm part of HVS Executive Search, and you might think that means I'm just a headhunter, and indeed, our company is about recruitment, about finding people at executive levels and mid-management. But we're also involved in helping companies develop incentive and compensation plans and also how to deal with teams and employees, in other words, talent management. So at my heart, I'm a workplace psychologist.
0: Sure. That's a good way to put it. Now, in general, we bring up this idea. It's something I've looked at a little bit. Is there an actual way to define bullying in the workplace? Obviously, it could be broad, but is there a way to put a definition to it?
1: Yeah, it's sort of a nebulous topic, isn't it? I mean, we all are aware of discrimination and harassment. And certainly, workplace bullying is a form of, of harassment, generally speaking. But Where discrimination and harassment have been defined in some pretty technical terms, and there's a lot of laws, rules, and regulations around it, bullying is a little bit uh, more ambiguous. Um, We do know that it involves basically repeated health-harming mistreatment of a person. I say health-harming because it's not just someone being picked on, but being picked on to the extent that it causes physical symptoms, anxiety, a person's having health related issues because of it. That's your tip off that you're being bullied when you just are afraid to go to work, when you're afraid of confronting or, or having any sort of interaction with a particular person. Now that form of that harassment or bullying can be, can be different. I mean, it can be verbal abuse. It can be work interference or sabotage. In other words, this person's preventing someone from getting their work done or done well. Sure, Uh, And it can be outright offensive conduct or behaviors, including nonverbal behaviors, which are threatening, humiliating, or intimidating.
0: with that said, some of the studies I've looked at and the research, um, there was a survey from 2007. So a little bit a while ago, but it did say it was the largest one they'd ever kind of tried to look into with this bullying. And it claims they're the people that took the survey that almost 80% left their jobs because of some sort of negative effect from what they would deem as bullying. With that in mind and what you brought up there, does this seem like maybe it's a little underreported, undercovered in terms of whether it be media or HR type places, aside from just you know the general discriminatory stuff that obviously legally is talked about?
1: I think it's probably reasonable to assume that it's underreported. I mean, we have certain statistics on prevalence, but those are only from the people that are willing to discuss it. And most people would be embarrassed, sure. especially if it happens to men. People in general would be embarrassed to feel as if they're being manipulated or controlled at work, and also, you know, organizations aren't going to talk much about it unless there's some sort of a high-profile, you know, harassment or discrimination case. People that are bulliers can actually be people that are liked in an organization. Okay. Um, they're people that tend to be aggressive. They can get a lot done. They push results, and let's face it, some supervisors don't always have a good understanding of how their people, their direct reports, get results. And sometimes people get results the right way, by working with other people, building alliances, genuine relationships, being effective and efficient. But then there's other people that get results through fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And that's where the bullying, that's the landscape that it occurs in.
0: Sure. And that leads a little bit into some of the situations that people talk about in that when they do feel bullied in some way, that there's this feeling of powerlessness, um, that they don't know where to turn, that sort of thing. What have you seen or heard or even or maybe read about that creates this feeling of powerlessness? And f- even furthermore, how can that I mean, how can that be relinquished? How can they find some kind of voice that would help themselves or maybe even a coworker that they see is getting bullied?
1: Well, you're, you're putting me on the hot seat here, Tim. That's a big subject. Yeah, that's uh, my job. Uh, that's yeah. Your, yeah, that's your job. Yeah, I, I wish there was some uh, boilerplate uh, response I could give you. You're hitting on so many topics. But let me just say this. Um we all remember probably when we were in school on the you know, the, the, the playground, the uh, schoolyard bully and what that felt like um, when you were being dominated, when you were being controlled and humiliated, whether that was someone taking your lunch money or someone calling you names and a group of people basically persecuting you. We all remember what that felt like, and I think most everyone has had an experience like that. Mm-hmm. But you hope as an adult that you grow beyond that sort of thing and, and we learn to have strong egos, strong identities, and that our skills and our talents count for something and that we've gained respect as human beings and as professionals. And so it really cuts a person. It really cuts into an employee when there's bullying, in, not just in a physical way, through physical symptoms, but also psychologically. Um, it's a way of being basically you know, emasculated if you're a guy. You know, It's a way of being completely put down. Um, It kills your self-esteem, your ego. It also starts making you doubt yourself. Um, Usually people, if they could have stood up to the bully, they would have. Um, And so if if someone's facing a situation where they don't know what to do, it's because they probably perceive that there isn't a network that they can turn to at their organization. There probably isn't somebody that's in a power uh, or a position to help confront the situation in a way that will have a good outcome for everybody.
0: You, you mentioned how there are times where there, there literally may be no one to turn to in effect. Let's say, though, you are some sort of, you know, you're a manager, you are maybe in a position a little higher up, and you do witness this among coworkers, you witness a, a certain case of bullying. Is there a certain procedure that you would point to or, or direct them to follow to make sure it, it doesn't become necessarily this this huge gossip type thing going on in the office, but you, you obviously, as a as a human and as a manager, you want to rectify that situation.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I guess common sense would say, oh, well, if you see bullying, confront it. Go and tell the person's supervisor or report it to human resources. And those are generally the the stock answers that people have. And certainly, um, It's not bad advice. I mean, that's generally what happens. You try to tell someone in a position of authority mm-hmm. that can make a difference in the situation. However, there are some organizations, like, for example, the Workplace Bullying Institute, that would actually recommend against that. Okay, That organizations are essentially stacked against an employee. That, for example, it's not always in the best interest of executives uh, to discipline their top-performing people. If they're bullies, because they still get results done. Mm -hmm. Um, So, or they may not even be aware of the behavior or they minimize it. Uh, Going to the HR department, human resources, sounds like a a logical, responsible thing to do. However, the Workplace Bullying Institute feels that, well, that may not help you either because HR – by definition, is not there to represent the employee. It's there to represent the interests of the organization. Right. And the way that they handle it may be in the best interest of the company, but may not be able to resolve something in a way that's satisfactory to you. Um, you could always, of course, go to uh, a lawyer, but again, not everyone has access to a lawyer or the, or the money for even a, uh, you know, just 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 have a talk with a lawyer, just right. just to talk about a case and get a sense of what should they do. So it's difficult to know, generally speaking, what to do. It really depends on the organization, your level of trust with your own supervisor, uh, your coworkers. But clearly, the idea is not to suffer in silence, which is probably what happens most of the time. People either leave the situation like you've heard. Mm -hmm. They either quit um, or they're fired. Maybe the bullying gets to the point where the person is let go for whatever reason. Um, Or the person just kind of suffers in silence. None of those outcomes are satisfactory. So obviously, I would recommend that the person does what's in their best interest from a psychological standpoint and a physical standpoint. And sometimes that means leaving the job for another job. Sometimes that means getting a lawyer, but the employee's health, the employee that's being bullied, his or her physical health and psychological well being is the first and foremost priority in my mind. A lot of companies are starting to realize that, you know, there needs to be better mechanisms, better systems of checks and balances to guard against impropriety in all of its forms Mm -hmm. in the workplace, not just bullying, but but any form of impropriety. And they realize that uh, employees may not be very um, willing to step forward and give information to company executives or representatives because they don't trust that process. So there is a movement now, I've seen, in a lot of forward-thinking companies to hire third-party vendors that basically set up call-in hotlines to report impropriety. And therefore, it helps establish anonymity, or at least establishes a sense of confidentiality, and that there's a responsibility, therefore, for a third party to do something constructive with that information. And I've seen that that, that does help. Also, companies are starting to really learn and appreciate the value of anonymous employee opinion surveys. Now, granted, this is not going to work in every situation. Right. But when companies send out surveys to their employees not only to get a sense of their job satisfaction, but to get feedback on what's working and what's not working in the organization in terms of its people practices, in terms of its business practices. Oftentimes there are questions about, let's call them team dynamics, your relationship with your supervisor and other people. And usually surveys like that have open-ended questions. What would you improve in the workplace? What are three things that you think you know we should do better on or we could be doing less of? where people have a chance in their own voices, uncensored, to name names and describe situations. And usually, opinion surveys, Tim, are also handled by independent third-party vendors. So the process is as responsible and intact as possible. So there are systems that are starting to be in place that in some way are trying to get around the, the natural problems that someone might have. If they are being bullied and they want to report it, but they're not sure how or if they can trust the company's process.
0: And you you mentioned these ideas that that the employers have kind of gone to um, with these independents especially. And I think it's showing that it's at least starting to be more recognized that protections need to be out there for not only the people that are being bullied, but maybe people that are trying to help. So with that, one of the numbers I came across again, and it was from the Workplace Bullying Institute, had said that nearly 71 and Americans are affected in some way in bullying. So when you see that, it's not just the idea of, you know, someone yelling, screaming at you, being aggressive, that there are, are these other ways. And I just wanted to touch on some of those other ways of bullying and, and pick your brain on them. The first one that kind of came up was the idea of constant criticism. And some of the points there were um, unwarranted like the criticism would be unwarranted based on uh, a track record or that maybe there's a different set of standards for someone for one reason or another. In terms of that that criticism, that constant flow of negativity, in, in essence, how, how, how do you see that as bullying and the effects it has on an individual or even the company as a whole?
1: Well, first, it's horrible. Um, I think everyone has heard, if you've taken Psychology 101, of a phenomenon known as the fight-or-flight syndrome. Sure. Does that sound familiar, Tim?
0: Oh, yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, what it it means to people that may not remember psychology one or one or didn't get up at 8 a.m. for the class (laughs) is that when we are facing a stress or a threat, whether it's real or whether it's imagined, our bodies react the same way. When we're facing a stress, whether it's real or imagined, our bodies act in the same way. And what happens is our hearts start pounding faster, and that's to get blood to our extremities, our arms and our legs, because our bodies and our mind they're preparing us to either fight the stress Mm -hmm. or to run away from it. Fight or flight. Uh, Unfortunately, when we're in that fight or flight mode, we are terrible decision makers. We're horrible at it. And we tend to make generalizations that are wrong. And our performance, the way we think and the way we act, um, tends to be too instinctual. We are less rational and we're just less effective at outcomes. And so by putting someone under constant criticism really means you're putting them under constant fight or flight mentality. Sure. So if you are trying to get someone to be better at something, you don't want to give them constant criticism. You want to give them learning and development and good feedback, but constant criticism will actually make the problem worse, not better.
0: And along those lines a little bit, you know, we don't have to touch on this specifically, the idea of mistakes as well, that people who constantly are bringing up mistakes, no matter how good someone's doing, they, they bring up that one mistake or false accusations, I mean, that somewhat falls in the, the same vein, wouldn't you say, as the criticism aspect?
1: It does, but you know, the reason why people might be constantly critical or point out mistakes, there also could be some, let's call it, psychological warfare at play. Okay. A person has either some control or power issues. The person's either trying to deliberately keep someone down, uh, keep them in check, keep them off-balanced. You know basically, it might be to make sure the person doesn't uh, come across as a superstar, doesn't hmm. want that person um, trying to go over his or her head. You know, maybe the person's trying to control information and and perceptions of performance. And so a person can do this by, again, constantly criticizing, pointing out mistakes to keep the person off balance, as well as, we know that there are people that are just jerks, <laughs> that some people just have bad personalities. These are not good people at heart, and it has nothing to do necessarily with a particular person, but that they're just this way to everybody. They're condescending. They're domineering. They are narcissistic. Um, and usually people like that also can have very low self-esteem. Sure. People that feel bad about themselves often take that out on other people in the form of criticism.
0: I think it's interesting you bring that up, and this is a little bit sidetracking, but it sounds like the ideas of what the bully in these cases brings, where they're coming from, that kind of thing, it it sounds extremely similar to the same things you hear about happening in schools. I mean, is the psychology pretty much the same, even with a kid and an adult, maybe a little more tactical at times, but relatively the same?
1: I I would say it is in in some cases, but in in school where It's primarily psychology. People are trying to establish identities, authority. They're trying to fit into groups. There's a lot of social status issues at play. Mm -hmm. Now, there's still social status issues at play in the workplace, but there also could be some very practical professional issues. A person could be a bullier, um, again, to get ahead, to keep people down as a way to position or posture. So instead of it being all about identity development and the psychology of feeling better, which that certainly can play a role and probably quite frequently. But you also have to understand that people that bully in the uh, the workplace, it can be a very cold and calculated tactic. It's not always a personality thing. It also can be a strategy that someone uses, again, to be ambitious, to be aggressive, to get ahead while stepping over other people.
0: And that leads a little bit into the, the other... Um... Part of bullying that I had jotted down: the idea of gossiping and, and spreading rumors and lies. You know, it talks about people feeling threatened because they don't know what's being said about them, or even in a lot of cases, you know, an expert bully, quote unquote, or somebody who's using this as a strategy, could even turn someone's good reputation to a bad one, or at least, you know, to the right people, expressing how this person isn't what what they're cracked up to be. How how exactly does that? Filter its way through, uh, you know, a workplace, and how would someone even limit that damage without coming across as defensive, which then, of course, makes it seem like they are, you know, these negative things that are spread.
1: Yeah, and it may not always be just outright negative commentary that's spread, but just spreading doubt about a person's competency and talent. Mm-hmm. Just instilling a seed of doubt can often do a lot of damage, not just simply, you know, sabotaging someone's career. Um, by saying outright bad things, something scandalous or libelous, yeah, I mean one of the most common forms of let's just call it you know discrimination against women and minorities has to be those groups being excluded from the social networks of an organization. What's like the boys' club kind of a thing. Sure. Um, so social networks in an organization, the informal contact and communication that happens in a, an organization is very powerful. Very powerful, just like the clicks were those social clicks in high school, and college. Those same dynamics are still going on, and we'll never get rid of that. So, dropping little notes here, dropping seeds of doubt there—you know, outright saying bad things about someone. These are all negative campaign tactics, and unfortunately, they can work, especially if the person that is being talked about doesn't know it's happening and can never defend him or herself. Right, and so. That is why it's very important if you are in the midst of a conversation where people are talking about others, that you then confront the person in a positive way, saying, well, did you bring that per- to that person's attention? You say that they're late to work. Well, have you brought that to their attention? Where, again, you're trying to make it clear to the person that this kind of talk is inappropriate, that they have a responsibility if there's a legitimate concern that someone is voicing or they're you know, just vetting STEAM that um, there's something they can do about it in an appropriate way and letting that person know that I understand if you're trying to um, just negatively disparage someone if you're trying to disparage someone if you're trying to make yourself feel better by putting someone else down if you're trying to talk someone else out of a job or an opportunity yeah I know what you're trying to do and you're not gonna get away with that unfortunately bullies tend to be very good at what they do and it's not just one person that they're targeting, but usually a lot of people are on edge around that person, at least people that are at a peer level or below.
0: And you, you did touch a little bit um, on other aspects that could be conceived as bullying. And there are a couple other areas I want to uh, hop on. So I just want to ask from your experience or any any research you've you've seen with this, are there any tactics like these or other ones that I, we haven't brought up that are seen as most common or or something that is used most effectively, as horrible as that sound, because we're talking about it in a a negative light. But is there something that's most common? Or is it pretty much spread based on maybe what you've seen, heard or experienced at all?
1: Well, there's probably a hierarchy. I mean, we don't have a lot of good data on this. But from what I've read, my understanding is that there's a hierarchy of bullying. The most common forms are the ones that seem the most innocuous. Mm -hmm. Oh, someone is being, you know, a little gruff with you. Oh, you're being picked on. Oh, you've been given extra assignments. You know, so things that can be easily dismissed. Sure. But if they keep happening over time and to a particular person, and it seems to be resulting in some significant stress and anxiety in the person that's being targeted, then that goes beyond just someone having a bad day or someone being a little gruff in their personality to, hey, something systematic is happening. This is mistreatment. It's not just a bad mood. Okay, next, outright verbal abuse, inappropriate language, Mm -hmm. and by language, I mean, obviously it can be profanity, but also the tone that's being used, calling someone out and criticizing them in public versus one-on-one in private, Um, yelling, outright yelling, um, or using a tone that, again, instills fear, uncertainty, and doubt, that, if it, again, is done over time in a systematic way, is mistreatment. I think you probably see that a little bit less, but again... It's probably more prevalent than outright offensive conduct and behavior, where someone might be physically abused, someone might be threatened. Those, I think, are the most extreme cases of all. Sure. So the point, Tim, is that bullying can be subtle, and it can be easily dismissed, and only by... Again, talking to the person that's being bullied and understanding what the pattern of behavior has been over time and the consequences in terms of how has it affected the person that's being bullied, how has it affected their work performance, and how is it affecting their mental and physical health? Will you ever know that it's a systematic form of mistreatment?
0: And with all the things you mentioned, you know a lot of times people will think this is more on a peer-to-peer level, but that study that we mentioned before, According to the survey, seventy-two percent of the people said that their the bullies that they identify were their bosses. Now, that can be a little difficult to decipher. I would say because there may be situations that you feel as if they're being a bully, but it's it just it's because of what's going on in particular. But. It would seem that maybe at times there is a fine line, at least for an employee, to feel whether or not they're being bullied or if a boss is just being hard on them or, or trying to get something across or whatever the, the case may be. So would you have any guidance for a supervisor, a manager, in terms of trying to ensure that you're creating a, a positive vibe, even when you have to be critical, to to ensure that there isn't a reputation for you of being a bully or that people don't you know retract from you as often is the case when there is a bullying situation, what what would be the best practical advice you could give them to avoid those situations?
1: Well, a few things come to mind. Uh, First and foremost, which is probably a good piece of advice, regardless of whether it's in the workplace or the home, is never do or say anything out of anger. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling really overwhelmed with emotion, anger, disappointment, whatever, um, give yourself some breathing time before you respond, either in what you say or what you do. So there's some buffer there. Next, there will always be conflict that a supervisor or a leader has to address. You can't get away from it. That's part of being a leader, and that is managing employees and their problems, um, You know, uh, employees that are not unhappy in their job, employees that don't get along with others. So conflict is part of the job description if you're a supervisor. That being said, there's a way to handle it right and wrong. Um, if you have to be um, confronting an employee on behavior – that's inappropriate or maybe someone's not learning something and you have to give them some, some constructive criticism. Always do that one-on-one in private. Don't make that a public announcement. Sure. Um, besides that, killing someone's ego, it sets a bad example for everybody else. Okay? When you are hiring people, when you are making decisions about promotion, try to be as fact-based as you can and involve other people in the decision-making process if only to get other points of view and advice And and use tools and assessments whenever possible so you're making judgments about a person's skills, competencies, and talents versus being perceived as playing favorites or not playing favorites or making uh, decisions based on relationships or how you feel personally about a person. So try to be as objective as possible. That can be difficult. So surround yourself with other people that can keep you in check and also use whenever appropriate surveys and assessments, more objective tools to help you assess and make decisions that are affecting hiring and promotion.
0: Well, that's definitely great advice, and we appreciate you coming on here because, as I said, I, some of these subjects can be sensitive and a little tricky to touch on, and I appreciate your honesty and you know, just being forward with a lot of this stuff because, I, as I think I mentioned to you and I've mentioned to others, that the reason I want to bring up these subjects is because so many people don't talk about them, and um, whether it's out of you know, fear for what their employer might think or, uh, you know, giving the wrong information. So we really do appreciate you coming on and and being honest with us with a lot of this information.
1: My pleasure. Always happy to help. And I recommend to your listeners that if they want to learn a little bit more about the psychology and prevalence of bullying in the workplace, I recommend as just a general resource um, for them to go to Workplace Bullying Institute. And they can find that at www.workplacebullying.org. That's not the only resource, but I think it's a good one because they conduct research as well as help people in exactly the concepts you're asking about. What can we be doing as employees that it's, that's going to help us combat bullying? What can supervisors and organizations do to protect themselves from these types of criticisms and pitfalls in a company? So it's a good general resource and one of many that I hope people look into because, as you say, it is a topic that matters. It affects a business. It affects employees. And it's something that we should always have top of mind.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. Unfortunately, the time has flown by, so we'll have to uh, cut our conversation short here. We do encourage all of you to listen again here on Life vs. Work. Our expert once again today was Dr. James Horan, Ph.D., Managing Director at HVS Executive Search. Dr. Horan, one more time, we really truly appreciate all your insight and and thanks for spending some more time with us on the show. My pleasure, Tim. And for those of you listening, feel free to send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or questions. And for everyone here at localjobnetwork.com radio, I'm Tim Muma. Take care.